The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Do you sense that? Do you feel it? It's almost here. The wait is just about over. That's right. Paramount Plus live sports breaking news and a mountain of entertainment is coming March 4th. You've seen the ads. Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead. It's quite a squad. Paramount Plus is bringing back Frasier Crane, people. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream all sorts of iconic movies like Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, plus many acclaimed series. Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, The Stand. Again, Frasier, it's coming back. I'm psyched. Get this. It's where you can dive into live sports from us at CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, Champions League Soccer, Plus, stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central. Live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus will be streaming March 4th. Speaking of March, we are almost there. We are not yet there. It is Sunday, February 28th. Let's get to the podcast. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, February 28, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and credit where credit is due. Deadleg insisted on Friday that Baylor would take its first loss of the season this weekend inside Allen Fieldhouse. I personally found it to be disrespectful to a number of people basically every drew except drew timmy either way it was an accurate prediction final score kansas 71 baylor 58 so the bears are now 18 and 1 and gonzaga is the nation's only undefeated team norlander i hope you feel good about picking against baylor it was disloyal it was an insult to the memory of bill henderson but i have to admit it 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 paid off for you it was truthful is what it was and As we start this final podcast of February, there's a reckoning to be had. You, we have to figure out exactly how we're going to resolve this. All right. I mean, do you feel like an apology should be in order to some some Drew family members here for for leading them astray? I don't. I was loyal to them. I was ride or die till the end. Ride or die. Like you act like I didn't watch the Iowa State game. I watched the Iowa State game. I knew that Baylor didn't look like the same team, but I was not. I was not. With with Bill Henderson looking down from above, I, I had no way I could pick against the Baylor Bells. I was loyal to undefeated Baylor till the end. What are you going to say to Kelly Drew, Scott, McKenzie, Peyton, and Brody, Homer and Janet, 
Tara Drew, Bryce's wife. Bryce doesn't care. Dana and Casey. Bryson, Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and Luke. Scott's brother-in-law, Jeff Schwab, his wife, Katie. Their kids, Ansley, Bennett, and Emmy. Their dog, Huck. What are you going to say to them? Plus, LA Clippers assistant Larry Drew, WWE star Drew McIntyre, a two-time WWE champion, one-time NXT champion, one-time WWE Intercontinental champion, and two-time WWE Raw Tag Team champion. Plus, Drew Houston, the founder of Dropbox, Hall of Fame Dallas Cowboys receiver Drew Pearson, former MLB or J.D. Drew, who retired with a 278 batting average and 242 runs, 2007 second-round NFL pick Drew Stanton, and to bring it full circle, strike that, reverse it, Drew Scott of HGTV, one half of the Property Brothers. What do you have to say? Well, I'm not going to say anything to Huck. I don't talk to dogs. I don't talk to dogs. How dare you? I'm not going to talk, so I have nothing to say to Huck. Um, I don't feel I don't feel like I led anybody astray as much as I feel like I showed them I'll be loyal to undefeated Baylor till the end. You go on COVID pause for three weeks. Michigan is destroying everybody. People are saying, you got to move Michigan ahead of Baylor. I said, I'm not doing that. That's not something I'm going to do. And then I watched the Iowa State game, and I go, my God, Baylor's only won once inside Allen Fieldhouse ever, and they don't look good now. And so I'm going to – do I really pick them to – to not only win, but cover a number inside Allen Fieldhouse after that performance against Iowa State seems seems irresponsible, but here's the problem. It would have been disrespectful. So I was I was picked, I was, I would choose between two things. I could either be disrespectful or irresponsible. So I I chose irresponsible. What are Bryson, Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and Luke supposed to believe in anymore? By the way, this thing, I think we're going to video at some point. I wish I could have had that on video because GP did not see Jeff Schwab, his wife Katie, Ansley Bennett, Emmy, and Huck coming around the corner there. Little, little curveball. Yeah, you threw some new family members in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't know about them. Didn't know it was coming. Um, as for as for the game, uh, I yes that you know. Baylor loses. Kansas wins definitively. I wrote a column about it. I'll include that in the podcast description. Kansas, uh, I did not realize that this might have been something that was talked about locally or written about. It was just off my radar until after the game finished. My men, they have won 38 straight senior night games. And it's not like they're always getting a bad team, Kansas. 38 straight years they went on senior night. If you had known that, would you maybe have made a different prediction? I was I was stuck between I was choosing okay. between two bad things. All right, okay. I could either be irresponsible or disrespectful, and it sort of mirrors my own life. When given the options of being disrespectful or irresponsible, I have almost always chosen irresponsible. In fact, when the options are irresponsible or almost anything, I have almost always picked irresponsible. It's a it's amazing how much Baylor has given to this podcast over the years. By the way. Um, just you know, shouts the hoops voice. Uh, I tell you this: Baylor is now one in sixteen in road games versus ranked Kansas teams since uh, they since they joined the Big Twelve. Since it became the Big Twelve, Baylor uh, had an eighteen zero uh, start. That was his best in program history. That's now done. It actually had a longer win streak last year. Um, 
And as I noted in the column, uh, this was apparently the first time Baylor had been an underdog on its floor since maybe 1989. No one could really figure out um, when the last time truly Kansas was a dog heading into a game. It responds big. David McCormick, uh, he had 20. Uh, you know, he was he was huge for them. So it, it knocks Baylor out of the ranks of the undefeated. It puts him behind Michigan in the pecking order. And for Kansas... It gets them into a spot here where, you know, it's been a four seed or better every year since 2001. And it looks like that we're headed that way again here. This is a very significant win, obviously a huge win for Kansas. They're putting it together. I, I tweeted out the stats late on late on Saturday night. I mean, past five games, six games, teams under 60 points per game. Uh, Kansas has played like the best defense statistically in America in that stretch uh, with the exception actually and I didn't I didn't refresh this today you might be up to date on this um, I don't I didn't see if Memphis won or not but actually Kansas and Memphis of all teams have been the two best defensive teams in like the past three weeks in college basketball so good gains for the Jayhawks for Baylor the question becomes you know can and when will this team return to the form that it was at a month ago Memphis did win at Cincinnati. Memphis is second in the country in defensive efficiency. Like I looked at it the other day, like the top 11 or 12 teams in defensive efficiency are all locks for the NCAA tournament. The only exception is Memphis because they, they just give the ball away. They just, they turn it over a million times and they're not very good offensively, but whatever. We can talk about them on Friday's podcast. If they set up a showdown uh, at Houston, that could be a get you in the, projected bracket type of situation think of me like a guy on a motorcycle and i'm going down the interstate pretty good and all of a sudden traffic just stops in front of me and it, you just pause it like a covid pause except a motorcycle pause and then i have i have two options i can either smash right into the car in front of me that ain't good or i can lay my bike down which isn't good either now there one might be better than the other i don't know i've never been on a motorcycle but, like, neither option is good. That's what I was dealing with. I could either be irresponsible or, or disrespectful, and I, I chose irresponsible. And I will tell you, about 10 minutes in, I knew I'd, I knew I'd, <laughs> I knew, I, I knew I'd chosen. But I had chosen with loyalty, but I knew, I'd, I knew I had picked incorrectly. Kansas had a lead at the half, never lost it. They shot 51% against Baylor. Um, you know, when Baylor was, and there's a lot of, I, I thought Scott actually, in all seriousness, I thought Scott said something after the game that was like spot on. And it was this. He said, we had three, we had three weeks and we got worse because we weren't doing anything. And they had three weeks and they got better. And that's the truth. Like Kansas has probably improved. You just referenced some of the defensive stuff over that three week period where Baylor was out. Kansas probably improved as much as any brand name team in the sport. And so I, I just think, I think that's what we watched on Saturday. Like the, the, the first time Kansas Baylor played Bill Self after the game was like, listen, we're like, we're just, I mean, I, this isn't a quote, but this is what he said. We're not as good as them. Like, what do you want me to do? They're good. They, Gonzaga's great. They're great. And we're, we're good. We're good, but they're great. And Gonzaga's great. We played them both. And they, they, well, you know, this is, that's who they are. And this is who we are. But then Baylor shuts down. Kansas changes the way they guard uh, ball screens, and next thing you know, now now Kansas. I don't know if they're great, but they're 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 certainly playing great. They're playing great, and Baylor is not playing well. And there's a lot of ways to to show that in terms of numbers, but one of the obvious ways is from the three point line. When Baylor got shut down, 
uh, they were shooting 43.9% from three. 17-0 on the season, shooting a national best 43.9% from three. Went on pause, came back, shot 8 of 25 from three against Iowa State, 6 of 26 from three against Kansas. So in two games since the return, Baylor is shooting just 27.5% from three. Jay Billis on the call Saturday said that a lot, you know, noted, a lot of the misses were short. The suggestion being that, you know, f- fatigue might just be an issue here. And this is the thing. Like, we also made a big deal about Michigan going on COVID pause. Michigan went on COVID pause because they were told, you got to go on COVID pause. Michigan didn't have to shut down because of positive cases within their team. At Baylor, we don't know who got sick. We don't know who had the virus. But what we do know about this virus is that, yes, if you're young and healthy, you'll probably survive, almost certainly. But there are lingering effects. You know, my, my, my wife is still dealing with fatigue. My friend Jeff Calkins, who's a columnist in Memphis, he got COVID not too long ago. He said he has had, quote, splitting headaches every single day. He doesn't feel the same as he used to feel. He's alive. You know, he's alive, you know, but he's like, he, he doesn't feel the way he used to feel. My wife is still lingering fatigue a little bit. She's fine, but like, there's some stuff that lingers. Now, now all my wife has to do is, is get up and be a mom and, and, and run a children's store. Now, th- th- that's real hard work, but it ain't the same as playing 40 minutes against the Kansas Jayhawks. And my point being, we don't know who's struggling with fatigue. We don't know who's struggling with, um, you know, who really like couldn't, even get on a treadmill for a, a, a certain amount of time. And I just think that, you know, we knew at Michigan, nobody got sick. We don't know at Baylor who got sick, but it's, but we do know somebody did. And I don't think it's crazy to think that what we're watching right now is, is undeniably a byproduct of that. Absolutely. And I mean, given the fact that even with the Iowa state game, you had three Baylor players that weren't available to play and, Quite clearly, that would have been tied to COVID for one reason or another. In addition to however many other players they didn't have, um, you know, available period in the midst of this pause that that literally were quarantining because they uh, had tested positive. There, three point shooting was noticeable. Baylor just looked like it was almost trying to play underwater at times against Kansas. And some real credit to Kansas for winning the way that it did. the The stat that blows my mind with this game, though, seventy one fifty eight. Baylor, this isn't the one that blows my mind, but it was averaging better than 86 a game coming in, and it gets held to a season low 58. It was nine points fewer than it had. Baylor lost this game, and you watched it. It was a clear-cut Kansas win. Baylor, and this blew my mind when I was looking at the box scores I was writing my column Saturday night. Baylor had three total turnovers. Three turnovers. That's Memphis it. Turns it over. Memphis turns it over three times on the same possession sometimes. I and don't think that's possible. actually possible. I, 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 I Yes, you you should see it. Okay. <laughs> I haven't, you know what? Scouts honor. I think I've seen two Memphis games this season. So I got I'm gonna have to check in. They're getting closer to uh closer to the bubble, maybe. Kansas had 14 turnovers and still ran away with it. It would that was the most shocking thing to me. But Baylor now, you know, it's gonna have to get in these games for the rest of the se- the regular season after missing so many. It's gotta turn around and win at West Virginia. And what I kind of alluded to in the piece was no one. I think the biggest question in college basketball right now is probably since Baylor was undefeated, now isn't, and there was a high-profile Saturday night game, and it's still a one seed and all this. But it's, you know, how soon can Baylor get back to what it was? And are, you know, I don't know if we're going to get a clear answer to that against West Virginia, but it's at West Virginia, then it's home against an Oklahoma State team, which we'll get to in a few here, and then home against Texas Tech. You know, I would just be a little concerned if I was a Bears fan about. 
you know, wh- where the team is going in the next week or so, because it might take a little bit, it might take a little bit to to get back on track. And it's not like this is unique to Baylor. Michigan was different, but even. Villanova, who we can get to in a few minutes. I mean, Villanova, since it had to go on its pause, it has had some good wins, but it also has lost its past three road games. And I am I am cherry-picking. There's no doubt about it. But given the the significance of the length of the pause, clearly enough players were affected. Like, when you're off for three weeks, it's not hard to read between the lines. Plenty of people within the program, unfortunately, caught COVID-19 to necessitate that long of a break. And so Baylor's going to need some time to get back into it. It only started practicing like a week ago, if that. It's logged four practices after these two games. It was got caught in a tough spot playing at Kansas. Good on the Jayhawks. You look good in uh, in victory. But Baylor, to me, since it lost, it's, uh, it's bagel in the loss column. That was the bigger story. Slight correction. You're now openly wondering how long it will take for Baylor to be great again. But the tweet reads differently. What does the tweet read? Can Baylor eventually look like Baylor again? The implication being that maybe they can't. Maybe Baylor will be never be great again. That's what. That's the question you actually pose. That's true. It, is it? Is it not fair? Or am I overreacting to one game? That is the most dis mother I've ever to wonder if Baylor can be great again. It might take a minute, but you shouldn't wonder like that about. The place where Bill Henderson used to coach. I think I think you dropped a hashtag Bill Henderson at some point on Saturday night, by the way. I think I saw that. I was there was a lot of stuff going well, on. Well, on ESPN they were previewing the game. I think Duke Louisville was running long. And then they, so they were like, and and Baylor, Kansas is underway. You can, you know, watch you catch it on ESPN. It started on ESPN News. Baylor trying to win a conference championship for the first time since 1950. And I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. And they were like, all right, now uh, uh, back to Cameron Indoor. I'm like, what? You say it, say his name. Say his name out loud. Baylor didn't coach itself to a conference championship in 1950. Bill Henderson did that. It's a damn shame. We're getting into, by the way, we're like the podcast clearly has had its influence on on ESPN over the years. Uh, Shouts to Tom Hart, who occasionally gives a deep, uh, deep reference there. And I think they've actually used stats and segments we've had on podcasts. And like two nights later, I've heard it on a broadcast there. The fact that Bill Henderson hasn't seeped in is a damn shame. Um, Did you see it was on a, a, a local broadcast? I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> so the guy, I wish I had his name in front of me. I don't. I'm sorry, but he sent it to me, and it was like he was saying for the first time since Bill Henderson. <laughs> like I swear to God, I don't think Bill Henderson's name has been said out loud in ten years until I just was randomly looking up things one time, and I realized Bill Henderson went the two Final Fours, and, Crazy. but has a terrible record. It's one of the all-time stories in all of college basketball. Let me know when you're done with your thoughts on this game, so we can settle this pizza matter. By the way, yeah, well, I was gonna ask you what kind of pizza do you, what kind of pizza you eat these days? You know what? Okay, so this was this was the wager for those who missed it. Uh, GP bet that uh, Baylor would not lose before the postseason. I said it absolutely would, and so I had to send him two. He had to send me one uh, package uh, based on the bet. Here's my thinking. I've done Lou Malnati. Lou Malnati's is terrific. Okay, I've done that a few times, but I think Giordano's also does the uh, the shipping from anywhere to uh, P- from Pequods does too. Here's my deal. So here's the deal with Pequods though. Um, I have a buddy, a, a, a longtime buddy who is who postponed his wedding one year. He's getting married in September in Chicago, and I'm going. His favorite spot is Pequod. So I think I'm going to get Pequods in my life later this summer. 
So I'd rather, and plus the the, uh, the greatness about Pequots is the the hot burnt cheese around the crust. That's not going to be able to be replicated when you got to mail it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save the Pequots for later this year. I think we're gonna go Giordano's. I'll send you all the information you need uh, offline, of course. But um, love this bet. I no doubt we'll have to repay it in some way at some point because I'm gonna step in it. I know it, but. Um, I will say, uh, complete honest truth here. Like the game ending, it's it's huge news. I got to hop on HQ, got to write a column. I'm doing all this stuff, and I had forgotten about this parish. Like in the moment, I just wasn't. It wasn't on my mind. And then, we love our listeners. I mean, there must have been <laughs> there was just a little cavalry of people uh, reminding me. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So then I just had to. Dr- I just playfully had to drop the link to uh, to Lou Malnati's here. Just just to you know, let the people know I knew what had happened there. But I actually forgot about it in real time. So. We, we have reached the point where when very specific things happen in college basketball, it, like my mentions start blowing. Like there there was one from Saturday night, and we'll get to it later, but like I wouldn't even want. I had no, I wasn't even paying attention to the game. I was on CBS Sports Network all night and like trying to deal with, like I was watching what I could watch, but this game was off my radar. And next thing you know, it's like mentions, 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 mentions. And all right. it was a direct result of conversations on the podcast so um i am i am a man who pays my bets i will order your pizza tomorrow it'll be delivered at some point this week the only game this weekend between two top 10 teams was played on america's most watched network it was iowa ohio state and it was not close i said it friday wrong team favored we'll get into it next first check this out Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So the only game this weekend between two top 10 teams was played on America's most watched network, Network of Stars. It was number nine, Iowa, at number four, Ohio State. And if Deadleg is going to get credit for picking Kansas over Baylor, then I get credit for picking Iowa over Ohio State. Final score, Iowa 73, Ohio State 57. That's a wrong team favorite situation if I've ever seen one. Mm. I give Chris Holtman all the credit. I give him all the credit he deserves. He's done an amazing job. But I also told you, them Buckeyes too little. Them Buckeyes too little. And at some point, being too short relative to your competition that catches up to you. Do you have any idea how many bad bees I lost to taller men when I was younger? Being the shorter person is tough in this world, and Ohio State, the shortest team in the Big Ten, is learning that the hard way right now. Yeah, um, I'm thrilled, by the way, to get to talk to you about this game. I feel like we haven't really caught up on the details of this one, right? Right? No. We've, ta- yeah. we've talked We've talked. Dude, we've talked about it so much. We've talked about it so much. 
I talked about it so much. So much on CBS Sports. I was like, I was like, this has got to be the last question. <laughs> we CBS, about- but I tell you this. I spent Saturday night all night, like from noon till midnight on CBS Sports Network. And today I spent from like 11 till 530 on CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports Network is so much easier. We get like big commercial breaks. They come to me. They ask me. They'll be like, so, Gary, what do you think about the Razorbacks? <laughs> and, and, and I'm done for the next hour. <laughs> like, that's it. And these CBS Sports HQ hits. It's like with legit 15-minute previews and then 15-minute post games. Like, if you guys ever want to um, – you're watching a game on CBS. I don't know exactly what the deal is, Norlander. You might know. For whatever reason, I think this is right. They can't show the C- the actual, like, Greg Gumbel, Seth Davis, Clark Kellogg halftime show on the stream. So we create a totally different halftime show for the stream. So you're watching the game like today, and who was calling it? That Kevin was uh, Eagle and Raf. Yeah, Eagle and Raf. Okay, so yeah. so so Bird is calling it, and like Bird will be like, "All right, and now when and and when we come back, we'll sit in New York with Greg Gumbel, Clark Kellogg, and Seth Davis. And if you're watching on the stream, that's what you hear also. But then it, it's, it's me and Norlander. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not Clark and Seth. So um so. So if you ever want extensive conversation, like if it's your favorite team, you can flip over to CBS Sports uh, HQ or just go to the stream on the CBS Sports app, and we're going to be there 15 minutes before every game, 15 minutes during however long halftime is, we're there for the whole thing, and 15 minutes after every game. And I tell you, when you do that for a triple header, that's a lot of talking. Oh, that's the grind, man. That's that's no doubt about it. See, I'm used to it though. You're you normally these weekends you got the CBS Sports Network stuff. You know, I was I was born into this. So I, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm well used. Chip Patterson did a lot on Saturday with me, by the way. He was dropped Chip is amazing. Let's be sure to subscribe to the uh, the Cover Three podcast. I can't remember who it is now in real time, but he dropped uh, disrespectful and that whole like motif with like I did it with Laval Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan during Villanova Butler. He did it on Saturday and I'm like cracking up because I didn't see it coming. And like it's, you know, he, he did it because he listened to the podcast. Chip, I'm sure you're listening right now. You're the best. That was awesome. Um, as for this game. See, in between hits, I like for CBS Sports Network, like I put my I put my shirt tie on basketball shorts, shirt tie coat get in front of the camera i answer two questions and then i'm done for the next 50 minutes and so and i answered two questions it's not like cbs sports hq where you answer two questions while talking for two minutes it's two questions 25 seconds that's what they need from me gp we need you to keep it between 15 and 20 here and then I, i'm done for the next 50 i go take my shirt off take my tie off and i, I i'm in my t-shirt i'm relaxed again cbs sports network it was like every time i took my shirt on i had to off i had to put it right back on it's time to talk some more today's a hard hard day man it's in that march grind no doubt about it luca garza shouts 24 points 11 boards iowa gets a convincing win the game was actually more to me about ohio state as we said on cbs sports hq how about this as a as a visual for uh for listeners at home we still got some more big 10 games to play and the league's actually going to wind up getting a very healthy percentage of its conference games and a lot of them the big 10 tournament started tonight michigan's the one illinois is the two iowa is now the three Purdue's the four because ohio state lost it loses uh the double by ohio state is the five bucky is the six rutgers is the seven maryland which got a good win we'll get to a little bit z8 would play michigan state who it played on Sunday as the nine. You can figure it out from there. Minnesota, by the way, is the 11 seed now. Horrendous. Iowa did itself some real, real good. For Ohio State, though, 
Smallest team, hashtag too little. They and too little. Too little. Uh, and I just, I feel like they are capable of providing us some really entertaining games in the month of March. Big 10 NCAA tournament. But even though this has been a team that's been living on the one line, living that one line life for a, a month plus at this point, I just don't think I would list it among the eight or nine teams that I would think are the most likely to go to the final four because of its size. And because frankly, there's no shortage of teams that have some really good big men this year in college basketball. That's an issue. And the defense continues to be a significant issue, a significant problem for Ohio state. So for as much as that offense gets you going and warms the loins, GP, I still would not, I I still would, would pump the brakes on, on putting a Bucky into my final four in my bracket. So on Monday morning, I'll update the top 25 and one once again and boy i'm looking forward to selection sunday that's when that ends (laughs) i love all my jobs but having to wake up every day and do that it's just like it's like having a chore first thing in the morning every morning like if somebody told you you got to take a first that as soon as you wake up you got a chore and you got to do it every morning seven days a week that's what it that that thing it wears me out but um when i wake up tomorrow morning the top four will be gonzaga michigan Baylor and Illinois. And I think that is the first time in a long time, maybe since the preseason, where I will look at the top four and I will go, you know what? I think those are the four best teams in the country Mm. because I don't rank just on what I think. I am mostly results oriented this deep into the season. I, I, I respect the results, but, and so Ohio state quite clearly in recent days, even with this two-game losing streak, had a better resume than Illinois. It doesn't now. And so Illinois will move into that top. In other words, if I were doing a bracket, it'd be Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Illinois as the one seeds. In my opinion, those are the four best teams in the country. I think I'm with you because I started to do a little bit of early power rankings assembling. Uh, Those will publish on Tuesday. And... Like the way I do that is much more recency bias. So if you take a loss, I normally just I just drop you. So I try and reward teams that that don't lose over a two three week span. So many ranked teams, so many top fifteen teams have lost bearish. And so the point I'm making here is that those same exact four teams that you listed, I have as my top four because there's really no argument. You know, even Bama's taken a loss recently. Houston's taken a loss recently. Um, everyone in that top ten, basically, aside from the teams that uh, that you mentioned. Uh, you know, Baylor clearly just lost. Uh, I think that's. That's got to be the case right now, uh, specifically even because Illinois has been able to win without DeSumo. And guess who Ohio State has now? Three-game losing streak, and guess what you got next on your schedule? The Illini. The Illini. We assume I will be back for that, right? I I, I got to figure, because there's a long enough break between now. I was kind of wondering if he was going to play over the weekend, and yeah, I think he needs to be there. We disagreed with this on HQ. I thought that Garza's performance was good enough that it probably almost effectively clinched National Player of the Year for him because a lot of some of those Player of the Year awards they wrap before even the conference tournaments. Desum is going to have to return and uh, and play big. I think he will be back for that. And with by the way, with a face shield on because he's still dealing with the uh, something something's wrong with the face there. He should borrow Josh Passner's. <laughs> if he could, uh, that would be phenomenal. But I actually don't think that's allowed. I think legally he could not wear that. Although maybe they would let him because of COVID. I don't know, but. Um, trust me, rooting very much for Georgia Tech and Josh Passner getting to the tournament so he can rock that thing on the sideline. You mentioned Ohio State being uh, 
you know, not great defensively. They're now down to 81st in defensive efficiency. You know, third in offensive efficiency, terrific on that end, although not terrific against Iowa, which is odd. But 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 81st in adjusted defensive efficiency, that's not good. Iowa, and we've talked about this before, um, they're now second in offensive efficiency, up to 59th in defensive efficiency. I think the last time we were stressing out about Iowa's lack of defense, they were – Outside of the top ninety, yes, maybe they were. I want. They might have even been beyond top one hundred. Right. As of this moment, they are 59th in defensive efficiency. In the preseason, when we talked about Iowa, we said, "Listen, they're gonna. They, we know what they're gonna be on offense. We know Luke is amazing. They're gonna have to guard better, better than they did last season. And what they did last season was 97th in adjusted defensive efficiency. 59th is an undeniable move in the right direction. Is it good enough? Does it put them in the range where you feel like you can trust them now? Not totally trust, but certainly in the range where if they can play similar to how they played on Sunday, then they're going to have a chance against most teams if they if they can play that style. I mean, it was it was a significant win for Iowa in a number of ways. It gets them to the two line because Villanova gets booted off the two line, and Garza playing like having that kind of huge game. I mean, this was Iowa's first. Well, by the way, this was Iowa's first win on the road when it was in a top 10 matchup since 1989. So the last time it played against a top 10 team as a top 10 team on the road and won, we're going on 31, 32 years. So a significant victory for them. And like they, they deserve some credit for being able to uh, to turn the corner here. Maybe they'll turn it for good. I mean, maybe we are going to look up in a week and a half and Iowa will have made it to, say, the Big Ten championship game and, and is locked in on that uh, on that two-seed line and, and sets itself up to make a Final Four run. It could certainly do it with that offense, but the defense is really the factor that's going to determine it because if they drift back, you know, 80s, 90s, then I, I still think they got big enough issues where I wouldn't trust them to win four games. If you're curious, up next for Iowa, Nebraska, at Carver Hawkeye, the lucky, lucky, lucky you don't have to go to Lincoln. Lucky you don't have to go to Pinnacle Bank. And then they get Wisconsin at home on Sunday. Before we get to the Apple reviews, let's bounce around a little bit. And we'll just go wherever we go. Some other notable results from the weekend. Michigan won at Indiana. No problem. Indiana is no longer in Jerry Palm's bracket. We mentioned it. Illinois won at Wisconsin without Io DeSumo. That's great for Illinois. Kind of embarrassing for Wisconsin. Kate Cunningham went big, got 40. Oklahoma State won at Oklahoma. Those two going to play again Monday night in Stillwater. North Carolina upset Florida State. Louisville upset Duke. Xavier upset Creighton. Utah upset USC. Auburn upset Tennessee. Butler upset Villanova. Texas Tech handled Texas. Arkansas handled LSU. Maryland handled Michigan State. Boise State lost again. Yep. To my San Diego State Aztecs, Drake took a quadrant three loss, dropped eight spots in the net. That ain't good. That ain't good. Nope. That ain't good for the first school ever named after a hip-hop star. Alabama won the SEC. Loyola Chicago won the MVC. And St. Bonaventure won the A-10. Shouts to Woj. Shouts to Amy Woj. Shouts to Tim Bontems. Shouts to Mike Vaccaro. Dead leg. It's a lot there, I know. Take it wherever you want to take it. You covered a lot there, by the way. That was good stuff. Um, I'll have a quick bubble team who helped and hurt uh, at the end of this, but let's let's focus on UNC first. Okay, couple things. Come on now. Were were you not shocked that they that they won the game the way they won it? I mean, they. Oh, no, I could show you a text message. A friend of mine texted me really twenty minutes before the game, and he said, "I like Florida State. What do you think?" 
and I said, Florida State is better. Florida State should win. It feels like a trap. I wouldn't play it. No, and you picked it on the pod. By the way, your picks went three and two this weekend. Mine went two and three, so you got a one-game edge on me. I, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm not talking before, uh, before the game, but at, at halftime, you know, when North Carolina's got 29 points and it's, it's down, it's facing a – what was UNC's note? It said it was UNC's largest – this is from Carolina. Carolina's largest comeback from halftime deficit at the Smith Center since February 15, 2006 – and by the way, Roy Williams wins its, in his 900th game. He won it in fewer games, 1,161, and seasons 33 than any college coach in history. So congrats to Roy Williams on getting win number 900 and getting it against Florida State and in doing so, putting itself into the field. Also, a first time yeah. ever. Well, go ahead. Well, he could have been there quicker if he didn't schedule that stupid Marquette game. You're really going to do that? <laughs> You're going to do that to the man right now? No, I'm happy for Roy. Oh, my gosh. No, yeah, he's listen. I, that's a hell of a record. By the way, Mike Shashevsky, Jim Beheim, Bob Knight, Roy Williams—the only four coaches in men's D1 history to ever reach 900. With three more wins, Roy Williams will surpass the general who is at 902. Um, how about this? Another wowzer. Freshman accounted for 62 of Carolina's 78 points in the win. It's the first time in the program's history that all four players that scored in double figures were freshmen. Walker Kessler went off. He had 20 points. Kerwin Walton had 13. R.J. Davis had 12. Caleb Love had 12. And uh, just fantastic. I just The way they won it with their bigs, um, I, was, I was particularly impressed with that. I have, I have a few other thoughts on other games, but I wanted to lead off with, with UNC helping itself, considering the opponent, as much as any bubble team this weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, they needed it. I mean, because like we we if you want to know what we thought about scheduling Marquette, we talked about that on Friday. No need to go through that again. But they needed this game because they scheduled that game against Marquette. It wasn't must win, but it was like, boy, it'd be great if you did. And you're right. It it, it you know when I checked in early, I was like, ah, I should have told my friend just trust his instincts and play Florida State, um, because it looked like Florida State was going to win with with few issues. And uh, obviously North Carolina comes back, wins the game 78-70. Kessler was interesting. He's been a non-factor all year. Yep. I mean, like five-star, like front court play. And it's like a little bit like he just got caught in a numbers game at North Carolina. Like once Baycott comes back and once uh, Garrison Brooks is back, like it just makes getting, particularly in the, you know, Roy still tries to play two bigs, but like in the year 2021, like that, that ain't easy to do. And so how are you getting on the court? Uh, and so he's got, I mean, there's just, you look at his game log right now. I mean, there's a stretch where he went three minutes, six minutes, one minute, three minutes, two minutes. I mean, he's just not playing yep. at all. I know. And then, and then there he is against the likely soon to be ACC champion, Florida state. And he goes 20 points, eight rebounds, nine of 10 from the field. It was, it, it was a surprisingly great performance by somebody who, is still only averaging 4.1 and 2.8 rebounds per game. A surprisingly great performance that came at a perfect time. It did. And now North Carolina has got to turn around and play at Syracuse on Monday night. Syracuse isn't even a bubble team at this point, And that is just UNC fans are going to be gripping because you got that road game. Please, they're thinking, please just, you know, let us get out of there with the win. And then there's the highly urgent game against Duke on Saturday. Speaking of Duke, get swept for just the second time by Louisville since Louisville joined the ACC. Matthew Hurt goes off. 
He had an amazing game. Career-high 37 points. First time he's cracked the 30-point barrier as a, as a Duke player. And the rest of the team at 36. They kind of let, not kind of, they let a wonderful showing from Hurt, who has been a top-five player in that conference this year, go to waste. And in doing so, remain on the wrong side of the bubble. Duke now has, that was its final home game of the season. It's got at Georgia Tech, a desperate Georgia Tech team, on Tuesday night. So, that, you know, uh, you know, Mike Krzyzewski going against thick Josh Passner in, in Atlanta is going to be a hell of a watch. That's going to be a desperation game for both of those teams. And I won't say, like, loser is out for sure because, of course, that's not the case. I mean, if Duke were to lose that game, then win at UNC and then get to the ACC final, it'd have a hell of a case still. But it would it's going to be a very dispiriting loss for whichever of those two teams loses. Georgia Tech, by the way, did good for itself by beating Syracuse over the weekend. I know you had CBS Sports Network duty pretty frequently on Saturday, so some of this stuff was a little touch and go for you. Don't know how much you saw the Duke-Louisville game. So regardless of, of, of how it played out, um, I just thought it was it was good for Louisville GP to also get that win on the road in that spot. Kind of sneakily, I think, just kind of... It was always headed into the tournament, don't get me wrong, but at a certain point, you reach a point of no return when you're a lock. And I thought Louisville locked itself up a bit. Well, I mean, you when you lose by 45 one weekend, and then you can... Yes. come back and win at Duke the following weekend. Like that's a that's a good a bounce back as you get. Um, rough loss for Duke. I mean, now they're you know out of the brackets. Yeah. Um, you know they're six and seven in the first two quarters with two quarter three losses. What I had said last week is that if Duke wins at Louisville, like everything, every conversation we had started with as long as Duke wins, you know, as long as Duke beats Louisville, and then they they didn't handle it. So now. Again, you know, the ACC tournament will provide plenty of opportunities to go from the wrong side of the bubble to the right side of the bubble. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If Duke loses both games this week, can they go from the wrong side of the bubble? I don't think so. They're out. They can't lose both. I think you got at least split. It's at Georgia Tech, at North Carolina. I think if you want to stay an at-large contender, just a contender, you got to split at least. You cannot go into the ACC tournament on a three-game losing streak that would have you six and nine in the first two quadrants with two quad three losses. Then, then I just don't think you can get there. I would say that if they lose one of those, uh, then they're going to have to win the other and then make the ACC title game. I would say blank, you know, blindly, that's probably what they're going to have to do there. The home loss, we, we had mentioned how critical it was for Duke to not spoil that opportunity on its home floor. And it spoiled it. Um, the other thing on Duke, yep. you know, I, I told you, I guess it was last week that, you know, Duke was 30th at Ken Palm. They moved up to 29th at one point last week. And I said in the past six NCAA tournaments, teams that were top 30 on selection Sunday at Ken Palm, um, you know, only four of them had been left out of the past six NCAA tournaments. Top 30 doesn't guarantee anything, but it is a strong indicator that you're going to be fine. Duke's now 35th. The numbers get a little more complicated once you're outside of the top 30. Again, that's not the end-all, be-all. It's just something, and it's something that moved in the wrong direction in a way that makes the odds of you getting where you're trying to go um, a, a little a little less certain. Uh, bubble teams who hurt themselves, not named Duke. Minnesota, goodbye. Uh, the Pinnacle Bank exception, as I like to call them. Ooh. Goodbye. Ooh, goodbye. Boy. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I wasn't even watching Minnesota, Nebraska. I, I, I got 50 people in my mentions. Like, <laughs> you can't just walk into Pinnacle Bank. I know. But I've been trying to tell you this for no, a No, Minnesota time. is the exception that proves the rule. Goodbye. <laughs> Get out of here. They're, they're, I cannot believe this team. They get Michigan their only loss. What is going how do, on? How do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you beat Michigan 
and then lose to Northwestern and Inside Pinnacle Bank in a span of a few days in the same life. There are questions to things in this world, and I just don't have the answers to. I don't know what this new Top Shot thing is. I don't know why <laughs> Peggy is short for Margaret, and I don't understand how Minnesota beats Michigan and then can't even walk into Pinnacle Bank. No how do you beat Michigan and then you can't walk into Pinnacle Bank? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Someone wants to explain to me why Peggy's short for Margaret. I've never figured that out. Other what teams. About, I got what? friends who are buying these top shots, man. No they idea what this is. Not even a clue. Didn't. I don't have time. I don't know what it is. Is it a playing card on a video? I, I don't know. You own a highlight. They, they have a highlight. Now, now you're thinking, oh, a highlight like a Zion Williamson dunk. Yeah, maybe, or it could be a a, a Dylan Brooks layup. <laughs> I don't even, I, Paris, I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. I, I got buddies who, but, but they bought a pack. Except it's not, it's not a pack of anything. It's just on your computer, a pack for ninety nine dollars. What are people doing? I, I, I apparently, best I can tell, there's plenty of people out there going. You guys have no idea what you're talking. No about. No idea. We we already acknowledge that. We don't know what we're talking about. But but on a very surface level. What I read was that um, this is going to – it's a market. And so your, your your Zion Williamson dunk will be, quote, worth something. And then you could trade it. There's a – the NBA has created a market for owning highlights inside of something called Top Shot. The damnedest thing I ever heard of. <laughs> There are probably people that have no idea what we're talking about. You're just as lost as I am. All I know is I see people start tweeting about it like left and right. I haven't investigated, but whatever. Bubble teams who hurt themselves, not named Duke or Minnesota. Indiana, yikes. Although, I'm going to own this. I'm going to own it. I, 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 This was me on Friday. Indiana covers. No. Ooh, ooh that was a swing and a miss. That was, that was like opening a, a top shot pack. And you get Indiana covers. That's like opening top shot and you get a <laughs> name it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a terrible NBA player. <laughs> I, I, have no, I could not even begin to tell you. I think there's a guy who plays for the Knicks, uh, Ron something. Anyway, uh, Drake splitting at Bradley. That's rough. Um, I don't know if it's if it's at large case is done. It ha- doesn't have its two best players. That's that's bad. Uh, VCU is keeping its uh, at large resume interesting. It lost at Davidson. It's gonna probably get in. I would just not recommend losing your first a ten game VCU. Um, they've lost two of their past three. So get that done. Those are bubble teams that hurt themselves. The ones that helped GP mentioned uh, a few. But if you're wondering, trying to gather all this, Xavier helped yourself in a major way. Carolina, of course, UConn. Got an, uh, Better to beat Marquette than lose for sure. Georgia Tech, we mentioned. BYU is just about lock status, I think. Oregon got a win. SLU got a win. Utah State swept Nevada. Did itself some real good there. I think they're one of the more intriguing bubble teams to keep an eye on there. I would label San Diego State as a... I feel like they're a lock, but I can't 100% go there because they still got to play at UNLV. And if they were to lose two more, they don't have a quad one win. So I don't know. Loyola Chicago's, I'm, I'm right there. Like, I feel like Loyola Chicago should be a lock, but at the same time, if you told they're me. They're a lock. Loyola Chicago's a lock. If it Get lost, I know. Palm has them as a, tw- here's the thing. Here's why I, here's why I can't call them a, a, a lock. Palm has them as a 12. He doesn't if, know what he's doing. If they were to lose their first <laughs> Missouri Valley game. I think they're in no matter what. They're in no matter what. I'd bet my I'd bet my life on it. Yeah, I think they're 
I know. I just they their resume in general fascinates me. Uh, Bonaventure, by the way, Loyola Chicago. Listen to this: they're five and four in the first two quadrants with zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. The the worst yeah. thing that could happen to them is they, they take a in. quadrant. They, they, they're st- they're still above. No matter the worst thing that could happen to them is they take an awful loss, and they are still five and four in the first two quadrants with one bad loss. That's good enough. They got to be in. I agree. I, I yeah. I know. Projected on the they got a weird one. By the way, Belmont probably probably done. Uh, took took two road losses to wrap the regular season. I think it needs to win the OVC auto bid. Bonaventure, by the way, has its season finale Monday night against Dayton. I would label Bonaventure as a lock if it wins that game. I think I don't think they're there yet, but I think Bonnie's. If you can get it done Monday. Uh, then uh, then I think you're going to be sitting pretty. So if you can do that, uh, you got to win uh, Friday. If you can do that uh, at 14, uh, weirdly, in, uh, I'm calling a team that could be 14-3 and three a lock. <laughs> it's a weird, weird season. But I think that's where we are. Uh, that's where we're at. Before I get to Cade, the teams that I think kind of sneakily kind of made their lock status, Florida, Arkansas, Louisville, Colorado. I think those teams, with their wins, you know, I think that they just have done enough now. I can't envision a scenario. Arkansas is going to end up with a two seed. I know, but if Arkansas had, <laughs> I know. Listen, and Arkansas, I was like, oh, they should probably should have been a lock before that. Not necessarily. They have a terrible non-conference schedule. Uh, Eric Musselman must have been on some edibles when he tried to build this thing. Oh, that's for sure. So the non-conference didn't do them any good. If they had lost against LSU and then lost out, I don't think they would have been surefire. But they're in now. They got at South Carolina A and M. If, if, by the way, Texas A&M is going to play. I think they last played like a week after Christmas. Texas A&M has not played in forever. So they are uh, they are good to go. Like, like you've lost your mind. Arkansas is <laughs> is 10-5 and five in the first two quarters with no bad losses. So even if they somehow lost these two? No, yeah, they're good. They're, Arkansas could forfeit the rest of their game if they're in the field. Yeah, that's that, that they're locked. But if they had lost against LSU and then lost to South Carolina, then lost to AM and then lost in the SEC tournament because they're not. They don't lose. I don't know if you've been paying attention. They don't lose. That's true. They've lost one since then. <laughs> um the only two games I want to touch on that we haven't yet are Villanova getting rolled by Butler yet again at Hinkle. Give me your thoughts on that. We talked about an HQ. I want your extended thoughts, okay? And Cade Cunningham goes for 40 and 11 against Oklahoma. By the way, those two teams are going to play again Monday night. Love this. Just want to see how they turn it around. Cunningham, this is according to Ally Sports. First player with at least GP. Did you see the stat? I want to, I want to trivia time you this. You're not going to get it, but you're going to love who the answer is. Did you see the stat, though? Try me. Okay. Cade Cunningham is the first player with at least a 40 and 10 game. Steve Novak. This is amazing. Correct. The last guy to go for 40 and 10 against an AP top opponent, top 10 opponent, was Steve Novak, January 3rd, 2006 against UConn. That is an incredible stat. You pose it as a trivia time. That goes down as a GP correct answer trivia time. Ah, you'd you'd seen it before. You know what? And maybe I get two points because I answered it mid-question. Fair enough. Uh... I don't know what we do with Nova. I don't know where you're going to put them. Thoughts on them and then thoughts on what was just the best performance of the weekend. Kate Cunningham was freaking awesome. Both ends of the floor. Big block on Austin Reeves. They win an OT. Huge win for the Pokes. So the first game of the CBS triple header today was Villanova and Butler. America's most watched networks, network of stars. And so I wake up and I rank 26 basketball teams. And then I go, okay, I'm going to start prepping for this. And as I start to go through the prep, I realize I haven't talked extensively about Villanova in forever. I even mentioned this on 
um, CBS Sports HQ because we got plenty of time. I said, I said, uh, I said, uh, I, we 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 have a podcast that we talk about college basketball for more than three hours every week, and Villanova has not come up in any sort of extensive conversation in a while, and they just sort of, you know, they. I think Sherry asked me like, what what have they done to to be a top two seed right now? Because that's where Jerry has them, and I have them. Uh, you know, I had them eighth on Sunday morning in my top 25 and one that reflects a two C. And so our question was something along the lines of, you know, what have they done to, to, to deserve that? And as I was thinking through it, I was like, you know, not much. <laughs> they just, but they just haven't like, they just sort of been good, you know, but there's nothing spectacular about them. They've got two quadrant one wins. They're just two and three in quadrant one. It's just, and I don't know if you understand this, but like somebody has got to be ranked eight. So you 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 got to pick seven teams first, and then there's somebody's got you got to have four two seats. You got to have four two seats. Although somebody did point out to me on Twitter over the past few days, because one of my things has always been, I mean, you got to remember, you got to put four teams in the final four. He was like, you know, this is a, you don't not this year. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you really don't. He, the, the guy predicted. I wish I don't. I don't. I, I don't remember his name, but he predicted. He said, I, "Prediction: You won't have four teams in the final four. So. Um, but in in, a, in under normal circumstances, you gotta have you gotta have you gotta have four two seeds, and Villanova had done enough to deserve that. You're right; they won't be there when the brackets update tomorrow, and they will not be in the top eight of my top twenty five and one. But I just sort of noticed it's a preseason top ten team with a team with a future Hall of Fame coach, and a team that is a you know it was thought of as a national championship contender, and they really haven't done. It's not like they've fallen down to. 17th or 24th they've been in the top 10 basically and they're just like kind of a nothing season and I mean I don't mean that the way it sounds but it's just like there hasn't been much to really talk about I agree it's not since they were in the bubble bubbleville they were scheduling Virginia Tech in the 11th hour and staying an extra six days than they initially intended to but yeah and now there's a huge huge game for Villanova coming later this week uh, they there's still plenty that they have left to prove uh, and Creighton provides a, a massive game on Wednesday. So Creighton Villanova, we'll obviously get to that on the Wednesday podcast. And they're at Providence, just you know, a little bit of a tricky game before the Big East tournament. But I mean, it's a three at best. And I didn't break down all the resumes here. They're probably still a three with a fifteen and four record. But if you told me that you could, you know, slice the resumes one way or another, and they'd be like the 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 best four seed, I, I would believe you at this point. There's just not a ton there. Past three losses have all come on the road. And and good on Butler for getting a huge one. Butler, by the way, just random side note, we'll give the Bulldogs a little bit of shine here. Uh, weird team. Do you realize it has a win over Villanova, a win over Creighton, and a win over Seton Hall? Like, it has wins over the top three teams in the standings, I think, in the Big East at this point. And it's been it's a 9-13 and 13 team. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but hey, but good on you, Butler. You got a big win. And oh, last thing, I mentioned this on AQ. Because I noticed Dan O'Neill tweeted about it and a couple other people. Like, Villanova's been so bad in Hinkle Fieldhouse that the the entire tournament being played in Indiana, the first round, second round, and Sweet 16 are all going to have games at, at Hinkle. So if you're Jay Wright, like, you want no business. They're like, send me to any venue except Hinkle this year. That'll be a fun little subplot on Selection Sunday, seeing what uh, what venue they get sent to. Um, With... Villanova, me saying, you know, there hasn't been much there. Some of this is the Big East fault. It is. It is. Like, who, who is there? Like, like we get real excited. Like, oh, wow, Iowa, Ohio State. Oh, boy. 
Michigan, Iowa. Ooh, man, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, then next weekend, Illinois, Ohio State. We need these big matchups. What is the big matchup that Villanova can play in? Only Creighton. Creighton is the only team in the Big East right now that is projected as a surefire NCAA tournament team. So that has not helped Villanova's cause. I mean, Nova right now put it as a three. Creighton, I, Creighton's got a super weird resume. It, I would say it's probably a five right now. And then all the other teams are fighting to get in that are that are in the picture. Xavier did well for itself. UConn, those are right near the cut line. Uh, Seton Hall, I'd have on the outside looking in and everyone else is not in the picture. I know we mentioned Loyola Chicago. Just to circle back to the NBC, Drake uh, took another loss this weekend. Uh, they're now 1-1 one one in Quadrant 1, 4-0 in Quadrant 2, two Quadrant 3 losses. Are you with me? Any loss to an NBC school not named Loyola Chicago on a neutral at Arch Madness, it's going to qualify probably, I think, Missouri, Missouri State too. So Missouri State's just, just inside where you need them to be, mm. to be a quad two. But anything outside of Loyola Chicago, Missouri State loss is going to be a quad three loss. Drake cannot, I'll, I'll put it this way, I don't think Drake can lose to anybody other than Loyola Chicago and feel good. Yep. And even if they lose to Loyola Chicago, I don't know how good they can feel. Feels like if Drake makes it to the title game of Arch Madness, which is in one week, um, and they lose to Loyola Chicago, um, while there will obviously be a few teams of very uh, real interest, I feel like Drake is just, if that happens, they are destined to be like one of the two or three teams that are truly like, no one really knows. Like, we just don't know at this point. Anything short, shy of that, um, I guess we'll assess what the rest of the field looks like, but it just feels like they don't have their two best players. I get all that, and they would get Tank Hemphill back. I don't think the going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but shy of that, GP, I think they're probably NIT-bound. One last thing, and we will – I'll submit it to you in the form of a trivia time. Let's do it. Trivia time. Michigan right now is the only team in the country – not Gonzaga, not Baylor. Michigan is the only team in the country that is top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Can you name the only other team that's top ten in both without looking, cheater? I'm not looking, and I never cheat. I never I never cheat. Um, I cheat sometimes. Yeah, I know. That's what it is. I'm working – I'm playing against a curve. Uh, top 10 in both. Um, I'm going to blindly guess Illinois because it's the only team with at least eight quad one wins as we speak. That will go down as an incorrect okay. answer. Houston is the only other team in the top 10 of both. The okay. Cougars are ninth in offensive efficiency and fifth in defensive efficiency. So there's two teams that are top 10 in both right now, and it is the Michigan Wolverines and the Houston Cougars. Two more things before we get to the Apple reviews. Biola University coach Dave Holmquist. You mentioned Roy won 900 yes. this weekend. Guess what Dave did? Oh, I saw this. Give him a shout. This is pretty cool. He recorded the 1,000th win of his career this weekend. It came courtesy of a 73-51 victory over Concordia. And only five men's college basketball coaches at this moment have won 1,000 games. Trivia time. Oh, Can you name on, them? man. Can you name them? Uh, are we, count, are we counting Bayheim with not the vacated wins? Well, then Bayheim would make six. Okay. And by the way, that's that's awful. I know. We've, done, we've, we've covered this ground. I know. I they, they, they made Bayheim like cross the 900 win marker twice. <laughs> it's like it's like he, he, he uh, what did the thing was it in Mario Brothers where you'd go down the wrong pipe and they'd send you back? Or was it yeah, shoots and ladder or shoots and both, ladder both, where you got to, yeah, it's like Jim Beheim was playing shoots and ladder and it's like 900 wins. Congrats coach. And then he hit one of those ladders or the slides. I forget how you play that yeah, game. And he had to go backwards and start all over. 
that's that's wrong what they did to Jim. I mean, listen, I know his program was violating rules and stuff, but I'm fundamentally against taking away win. Like you won the game, you won the game. Now Jim Beheim, there's five men got a thousand wins. I'm and, gonna, and I, I Jim Beheim still chasing it. I only know two. I know it's Herb McGee and I know it's Coach K. But is, are any of the other three gettable? Well, Dave Holmquist is. I just okay. told you his Aside name. Aside from Dave. Shouts to Dave. <laughs> I love that a dude named Dave has won a thousand games, by the way. At Biola University. That's a Division II school. I'm not going to I don't think I know the other three. Because I'm do trying to know, think if there's no one else. Do, do you know where Biola University is? Can you name the state? Trivia time. Oh, what boy. state is Biola University in? <sighs> I'm about to offend the entire <laughs> alumni base of this prestigious university that listens to this podcast. Give me a time zone, please. That's going to be Pacific. Feels like an Oregon school. My God, just go with the biggest state and give yourself the best <laughs> I did, didn't I? I just, you know, <laughs> you know, the the pitch was high out of the strike zone and that stupid me was swinging for the fences. How dare I? Biola is in La, La Mirada, California. It was founded in 1908. Shouts, I guess. It's not older than Rutgers. I know that. Hell no. It's not, old. It's not, old. It's not older than Tony Hinkle, by the way. It's not older than Tony Hinkle. It's not older than Tony Hinkle. It's not older than Rutgers. The other coaches are Harry Statham. He's a former coach at McKendree University. That's NAIA. No, that's, he, the, uh, uh, that's the action movie star. Also an action movie star. And then old Danny Miles. Don't forget about Danny Miles. He was the former coach at Oregon Institute of Technology, NAIA. I did notice this, that K is the only Division One coach, and then it's like NAIA Division Two. And do you think that's just because you can keep those jobs a lot longer? That's, I think that's part of it, yes. Now, Herb McGee, I knew, because he was like he was a Philly legend in his own right. But, um, but yes, I think that's exactly the reason. You know what? You, you do a good job there, and you're not seeking to be this, you know, ladder climber you continue to win and win and win you're there for 50 years and you got a thousand wins good on you but yes first off first off it's 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 hard to climb like how often do you hear about people climbing like what, what you don't hear about oh yeah this nbc school just went out and hired an naia coach i mean I, this stuff happens sometimes but it's very yeah. uncommon now. it is it is uncommon. You're right so you kind of i don't want to say get stuck that's not the right way to put it but it, it's it's Coaching in Division Two and coaching in NAIA is not a obvious path to being a Division One head coach. Like, if you want to be a Division One head coach, the best thing you can do is be a Division One assistant. It's not be an NAIA coach or a Division Two coach or a junior college coach. And so, I, I think that's probably some of it. One more thing, mm. UMass Lowell. I don't even. I got no time for this. The Riverhawks. No time for this. They beat New Hampshire today. Don't, don't care. Get them out of my face. You had your chance. Had their chance at Ohio State. How'd that go? Man, I wish they could have played Ohio State in late February. <laughs> Might be a different story here. Them, them Buckeyes little, boy. Them little, they're little right now. Them Riverhawks could get it. I think them Riverhawks could give them something right now. So UMass Lowell fans wanting some love for getting to the friggin' America East finals. Semifinals. Semifinals. Yeah, talk semifinals. to me. Semifinals. Talk to me. Elvis, Elvis Presley's alma mater is in the semifinals of the American East tournament. The Riverhawks, they they were they were they beat New Hampshire. They were ten and a half point underdogs. They won as ten and a half point underdogs. That's all right, Mama. You can talk about them. That's all right, Mama. And <laughs> now, right. now the Riverhawks are at UMBC next Saturday. Also projected as double digit underdogs, I assume. But you know who else was a double digit underdog in life? 
Elvis Aaron Presley from Tupelo, Mississippi. And yes, I know he died at the age of 42. But boy, those years from like 18 to, not quite 42. 36. 36 or so. Those were some good years, boy. I would have taken the over, by the way. I would have gone 45 for Elvis. When I I looked at, I, I, I had stumbled upon this not too long ago, so it didn't surprise me today. But the last time I stumbled upon it, I was like, he was 42 years old. You've outlived 42? this man by you've outlived this man by seven years already. I have outlived Elvis Aaron Presley by two years. Two years. Let's, Trivia time. Where did Elvis Aaron Presley go to high school? <laughs> let's get to the listener reviews. We're clearing an hour here. Let's go. He went to Humes High School oh, in boy. Memphis, Tennessee. You know who else went to Humes High School? <sighs> Jewel Dean Parrish, my grandmother. Shouts. Rest her soul. She's up there looking down on us right now with Bill Henderson. Oh boy. <laughs> what do the people have to say? <laughs> you just put uh, your you just put your grandmother on a couch with Bill Henderson in heaven, just so you know. What if, um, b- boy? What I'm, I I didn't mean to be offensive to my papa. Like, what if what if my papa's up there too, and my and my grandma's with Bill Henderson? And Bill Henderson's like, who's this chump? How many Final Fours did he make? He didn't make two Final Fours. He, he didn't. He didn't win a. He didn't win a conference championship at Bay. My grandfather, in fairness, my grandfather is a good man. He never won a conference championship. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay. Baylor wins at West Virginia. You hashtag Bill Henderson. You hashtag your grandmother. <laughs> I don't even know how we get into these conversations. You got to do it. If what you the don't, world? there's going to be 25 people that do. <laughs> hashtag Bill Henderson. Hashtag Grandma Jewel. <laughs> what in the world? Oh, let's get to the reviews. Okay, I got one. This is an actual review. This one comes from Meat Dropper. That's his name. He goes by Brad in Lexington <laughs> <What>? also. <laughs> Meat Dropper. He's Meat Dropper. <laughs> He's meat dropper, but but he's also Brad and Lexington. I like this one because it's an actual review. Like it's like he 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 captured what's going on here, for better or worse. Here's what he wrote: The CBS Eye on College Basketball podcast is the shocking true story of a fully vaccinated man in his dead leg navigating the dumbest pandemic of his life. I swear, he ain't ever seen one like this. To help traverse the Chester, South Carolina landscape, our hero is joined by his trusty steed, Terry M.F. and Teagle, the Dodo Bird. Dave Matthews, Rage Against the Machine, and Pearl Jam join uh, in Pearl Jam. Uh, uh, Dave Matthews, Rage Against the Machine, and Pearl Jam soundtrack the adventure. Don't miss out on this remarkable narrative podcast before it streams live on CBS Sports All Access, the network of stars. What you say, what you say, what you say, as I, as I, that comes from uh, Brad and Lexington. And, the meat dropper. Like, Thank or you. As I like to, or as I like to call him, <laughs> meat dropper. What do you got? This one comes from PH Fat. Or hold on, I hold like on, hold on. Him. Is it is it is it fat or is it f- fat? It's PH dash fat. Okay. Look, I don't make the names up. I know. Listen, love the names. Here's what he wrote. 
This podcast is the highlight of my Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Thank you for keeping me entertained during the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. I also love your refusal to acknowledge R.J. Barrett. P.S. If Nebraska wins in Pinnacle Bank this season, you should do a bonus episode. Nebraska won in Pinnacle Bank. Minnesota is the exception. Doesn't count. It doesn't count if it's Minnesota? It can't. Honestly, it can't. It can't. Can't live in a world where that counts. What if we would have done like a quick... 20 minute episode last night just no literally talking about nothing other than minnesota nebraska and my grandmother <laughs> and we do it and we but we play the bit straight like there's no you know we're just talking about the significance of this win there's no laughing there's there's genuine minnesota breakdowns looking at nebraska what it's been able to do under fred hoiberg all that a missed they, opportunity. If they, can, if they can take this win and, and build on it heading into next season. And win maybe two <laughs> games at home next year. A missed opportunity, to be sure. Okay, this one comes from, I'm not even going to try to say it. It looks like S. Jack uh, RNC. I don't know. All right. A lot of there's a lot of a lot of consonants in there. It says, hey Gary and Matt, you guys mentioned earlier in the season that when you were younger, pulling up from the snout meant something, and you're sad that it doesn't for your kids. Watch that Alabama Arkansas game the other night, and that snout got further back again. I'm glad to announce that pulling up from the snout once again is like hitting a true half court shot. He's right. I went and looked at this the other because I noticed this too. Um, the snout, they're using a smaller hog now. I don't but even if know go, if that's a Razorback. I mean, listen, we, we might be opening the door some, to some scandal here. I'm not convinced that's a Razorback. It's so tiny. If you, it, It's a tiny little, like it's a piglet. What are we doing? It's. It looks like a, do you ever have a fetal pig in high school? No shot. Oh, well, you, you mean like bio, biology? Yeah, 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 yeah. A fetal yes. pig? Yes. Is that weird that they just, you're 16 years old, they just hand you a dead pig? I can Seems still re- I can still remember remember the way my biology high school class smelled. By the way, yeah, that's that's no good. Seems like it's weird to just give a kid a dead pig like right in the middle of class. Did you ever like, do the frog? A- Did you do the frog? Yeah, I've done a frog. Yeah, we've done the frog too. I mean, not like I. Ain't- Did you see this video on Twitter with a rat? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, no clue. Don't even think I want to know. There was apparently a video going around this weekend of a man. <laughs> With a dead rat. Oh boy. I don't even need to know. Don't that's, even that's the whole that's the whole story. That's that's, that's all the, the story I need to know. The real story the is that there's not there's not a razorback on the on the on the logo line here of Arkansas's home court. It's a piglet and it's a pro con situation. Because to pull up from the snout, it means something again. But we need to get an actual razorback on that court. Yeah, if you go, so I was like, well, where did I get this thing that pulling up from the snout didn't mean what it used to mean? And so I just started, this is how stupid I am. I'm on YouTube going, okay, 2019 <laughs> Arkansas game. And I'm watching highlights from 2019. I'm like, that's still a, li- that's still a little snout. A little, that's still a little hog. And then it was like 2018 Arkansas game. And bam, gigantic hog. The, snout's, the snout is almost touching the three-point line. So at some point between, it appears 2018 and 2019, somebody at Arkansas decided to go Little Hog, which I respect on one hand because it makes pulling from the snout impressive. But I feel like, though I grew up with a Little Hog, once I got to experience a gigantic Razorback, a Big Hog, I think I preferred a Big Hog. Even if it means pulling from the snout doesn't mean anything, now it's like you got to pull from a hog guy for it to really count. I so badly wish I could no context preview this podcast and use your quote from about 
17 seconds ago. Kids, why don't you go ahead and hit that rewind button and listen again real close to what Parrish just said. Anyway, the difference here is that Mike Anderson, Golden Gate Mike, says he's got, he's got to get out of there. Musk comes in. He knows the deal. He knows what it means to pull up from the snout. Moves that baby back. So we, we both praise and criticize for this decision. Right. I, 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 wanted, I wanted a smaller hog, but now that I got one. There you go. It's tough I want my to big live. hog back. Yeah, you, you want that big hog. I understand. You this one it? comes from... Oh, you got another. One more. All right. Person 623. Sounds like a very real person that exists. <laughs> I swear to God, when I was reading this one, like the first line made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I, I, I have not checked the reviews. I don't have one to read this week, so I don't know what's coming. Oh, boy. This is the way it begins. GP and the other guy lead one of the best podcasts out there. <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> i started laughing at the other guy gp and the other guy now listen it'll come around it'll come yeah, around I, I appreciate the setup gp and the other guy lead one of the best podcasts out there i started listening back in 2019 and got back into it when the pandemic started i love that they reference real stats and kimpom numbers as opposed to just unfounded conclusions i am 15 years old and play basketball every day. So I like to stay connected to the to college basketball, possibly my fa- favorite sport that I hope to play someday. Recently, I listened to podcasts from previous tournaments to get ready for the com- for the upcoming one. And I am wondering when you started this podcast and where I could find pods before 2014. Lastly, Norlander has got to stop stepping on homeless people. This is a fake reviewer. <laughs> this is so fake. I've got half a mind to think you set this up. Wouldn't. Very few people know about that story. That's going to be saved for another time. All right. Speaking of Arkansas and Bama. When you stood on a homeless man, we will tell that story another time. That's another story from another time that's been talked about on this podcast before. And there were were witnesses. I actually have a photo I came upon in my phone about a month and a half ago with you and Borzello creeping over a fence uh during that whole thing that's a story that is a story truly for another time that is that is find us in the depths of the off season and ask us to tell the story and we will do that when there's nothing else happening but yes uh if you're looking for older episodes you can't find them um because the podcast did exist way back in the day uh in a different form but uh but it's here now and for as we wrap the podcast we're recording this on sunday night I'm quite sure that many of you didn't get to this podcast until Monday morning. And when you woke up on Monday morning, it was indeed March. And you were probably hoping that the start of the podcast was going to be providing you with something. But that's not how we work here. It's Sunday, February 28th. And so I'll just close with this. You need to ask yourself a question. You say, myself? Is my body ready for what the next podcast is going to put into my ears? And your answers are no and no. So strap in, because the next time you have this podcast, it'll be March. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Grandma Jewel. Thank you for listening once again. To the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest, oh man, dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Norlander, what is going on with this one? What's going on with this one? Variants? Variants? 
They're trying to come with variants? I'm a fully vaccinated man. Now they're talking about variants. Get out of my face, these variants. Get out of my face if you don't think Loyola Chicago is a lock. If you haven't subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. We will talk to you again on Wednesday morning in the month of March. Till then. Peace.